Today we're talking about fishing in the wrong spot. Fishing in the wrong spot. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. If you have them with you, there's some Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one of those with you today. You can also download a free Bible at uversion.com and you can download as many different kinds of Bibles as you want for free. Get on the church's Wi-Fi right now and do that. It is fantastic. Luke chapter 5. We are talking about fishing in the wrong, wrong spot. And sometimes I think it's easy to realize we're fishing in the wrong spot because we're not catching anything. However, we just don't know what to do to change that behavior. Um, fishing inherently is kind of an uh, optimistic endeavor. You don't go out fishing if you know you're not going to catch anything. I was talking to Paul Oswald right before the service today, and we were talking about fishing. I was like, I didn't even fish this weekend at the lake. It was too hot. I woke up too late. There was no reason for me to go and torture poor, poor worms. There was not going to be any catching of any fish happening at the time that I was prepared to go fish. It was not going to happen. And so uh, I just I didn't do it because I knew the lake. I knew uh, the temperature. I knew what was going on. Catching of fish wasn't going to happen. So Instead of going out, wasting my time, I decided to waste my time doing other things, but it's okay. Um, so I didn't fish because you know that optimistic in a fisherman, he's going, okay, if I do this, and maybe if I try this new thing, maybe if I tie this new thing onto this lure, maybe if I uh, do this, maybe if I reel in this way, always looking for a new opportunity to be more effective in catching fish. That's basically the whole name of the game. Now, Interesting things happen while you're out doing those things, especially if you're out with kids. Um, if you're out fishing with kids, you know that tangles happen. And, and I have some fishing poles here. These are my father's old ones, and they start to look like this. Anybody went fishing with your kids, and this is what came home, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, the Watkins have four boys under four. This is in your future, okay? So, um, however, I did see at, uh, at the Sporting Goods store, now they have like a Superman Nerf uh, fishing pole. And so you pump it like a, a Nerf gun, and you, pff, you shoot the bobber out, and then you can reel in like that. I think one for me, Father's Day's next week. You know, that, that's how we're going to go. Not for Bowen, for me. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to do that. So last week, I went fishing with my kids, and Bowen... I always fish with an open face reel, and, I, and I've been doing it, and the kids know, don't touch the open face reel. You will get a tangle. Please don't touch the open face reel. P- please, please don't. Bowen really wanted to learn, and we were having a good day. It was one of those where, like, the stars aligned, and he actually did everything I said to do. You know, you know they happened once in six years, and that's, that's what happens. And so I was like, all right, son, we're going we're gonna to teach you how to fish with an open face reel today. Okay, okay. So we opened the bail. He throws it out. He does better with the stinking open-faced reel than he does with the, the easy ones. It's like, okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And he's got it. I mean, he is casting way far with this open-faced reel. Awesome. And I'm just waiting for the cat's, you know, the bird's nest to come, come happen. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. Fantastic. So later in the day, I'm fishing. And, um, and Bowen starts fishing with the, the reel again. And he goes, Kendall, do you want to learn how to do it? It's very, one of the cutest moments of our lives. Bowen starts teaching Kendall 
how to fish with the open-faced reel. Now, if you don't know that, this is kind of like a, I, I don't know, actually, this is the normal one, right? This is what you all grew up with, the Zebco. And the other, the open face has like this wire here. It's called a bale. You pop that open, it lets the line out. However, it's very easy to get tangled up. My daughter is not as coordinated as my son. My daughter can do, you know, round offs and cartwheels till the cows come home, but walking in a straight line is very difficult. Okay, maybe you know someone like that or have someone like that in your life. Uh, don't elbow. Uh, so, uh, but that happens. And so my daughter is, is learning to do this, and it's getting very exciting. And I'm casting, and all of a sudden I hear, boom. And somehow, someway, she has figured out how to loosen the whole of the real combination. So when she cast it, the real, not the rod, not the bait, the real shot off in the lake. Well, there's something very significant that happens on open face reel when you throw it is the bale has to be open to let the string out. So I couldn't just grab the string and pull it in. I had to pull in every inch of that line to get the thing out. Our boat looked like we could, you know, the eagle was circling around and going to land in the nest we made for it is what had happened. Um, It was a disaster. And Bowen in the middle of that tried to pick my nose with the end of the fishing line. And, you know, everything that could go wrong in this moment happened. All for the sake of fishing. I was fishing in the wrong spot. And some of you, that if you're a parent, you know exactly how I was feeling in that moment. Like, can I just swim back? Can I just jump off? I'm just going to swim. Just let let them fend for themselves. I don't want to be here at this moment. uh, Because someone might get hurt and someone might go to jail if I stay here any longer. Um... And so, but this is the attitude, the feeling that I have, and that's what I want to conjure up for you when we think about fishing in the wrong spot, that utter frustration with life. Maybe it's with people, maybe it's with a job, maybe it's with uh, kids, maybe it's with your marriage. You just, you know you're fishing in the wrong spot. Things are not happening. You're all tangled up. Everything's all messed up. You guys, are you with me? You guys maybe have felt this way before in life. And so what we're going to talk about today is how disciples around the Sea of Galilee were fishing in the wrong spot. Actually, by profession, they were fishermen, and they still were fishing in the wrong spot, which gives me hope. If I go out fishing and I'm not catching things, hey, I mean, the professionals don't even catch anything all the time. Those guys on TV, they have things called TV editors. They can block out the hours where they're not catching the trophy bass, by the way. I, I, it took me a while to figure that one out uh, in life, but like last year, but that's all right. The truth and the one thing I want you to take away from today is this. You are one cast away from being right where God wants you. You are one cast away from being right where God wants you. Luke 5, 1 through 11 says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, the caught... They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that he had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and followed him. You are one cast away from being in the place that God has for you. You are one cast away from being in the place God has for you. There's a few things going on here. There's stuff that Jesus is doing in this redirecting of fishing in the, in the wrong spot, and there's things that the guys, the disciples, have to do in this moment. And it's a two-way street. There's stuff that you're responsible for, and there's stuff that God is responsible for. The guys have to be obedient enough to go out. Think about it. They are professional fishermen, and this dude on the shore is telling them what to do. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people tell me what to do, especially if they have no experience whatsoever in the field that they're telling me what to do in, right? That's, that's just a little frustrating. I don't tell Adam how to fix a car. This would be really funny. Oh, yeah, your flex capacitor's broken there, Adam. All right? <laughs> Adam's going to be like, you know, whatever. Um, but that's basically what is happening here in this, this moment is Jesus is telling them what to do. They have to think and, and be humble enough to accept the advice. What also is going on there is, is Jesus doesn't need them. Jesus doesn't need them to perform this miracle, right? But he wants their participation. In fact, uh, God is so uh, powerful with, with this fish, even this fish uh, miracle. He's done it before. He creates when, when they break the bread and break the fish half and start feeding the multitude of people, God just, he can create fish from nothing if he wants to. He doesn't need to have these guys go out there. He could have gone and filled their boats. In fact, this happens sometimes in Louisiana. We got a video to show you how God even does this to this day. I think we do. God, God doesn't need the fisherman. He can just go whoop, and, and pile a boat. And he could have done that, right? These guys, how many of you have fished for hours, can't get one to like get on the line? These, these jokers are going and filling the boat by them just jumping in. That's not really fair. But um, anywho, I'll get over my jealousy. <clears throat> what happens is God doesn't need, God doesn't need the disciples. He could have just gone, you know what? We need some fish. I'm going to blow your minds. You're standing there mending your nets. Watch this. That could have happened. And that's sometimes that's how we act and how we want God to operate in our lives. God, we don't want to change anything. We don't want to be obedient. We don't want to do anything. Could you just fill my boat up with whatever I need to happen? We just want like the, the lottery version of God. Like, God, I know I haven't gone to work in three months. I know I, I, you know I quit the last six jobs I've had. I know I haven't worked on my marriage at all. And basically, I don't even talk to them. Uh, I know my kids are going crazy, but you know, that would require you know, discipline. And I'm really not into that. Um, if you could just fix my kids, fix my bank account and my marriage, that'd be great. Now, he can do all those things. He could be like, but instead, 
He asks us to be part of this whole miraculous procedure. You're one cast away from being in the place God has for you. A couple of things that God does that are very unique in this moment. Christ invades their space. Now, if you know anything, if you've been around boats, you know you don't just jump onto somebody else's boat without asking permission. This is a big no-no. Even if you have permission, you're kind of like waiting, can I get on there or not? Like, it might look junky to you, but that's their pride and joy. It is their hole in the water that they throw money into, not yours, right? So this is what happens. You don't, you don't just jump on somebody's boat. You, you are very respectful of the boat and, and whatnot. So Jesus, if you look in the scripture, Jesus just walks up, gets on their boat, goes out in the water. He's like, all right, start teaching. These guys have been up all night. And they're like, what is this guy doing? That's what, if some, one of my neighbors walked up and got in my little, you know, five foot, whatever it is, 1945 uh, little fishing boat with more holes, rust in it than uh, anything else. Um, I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get a little upset about this, but this is what Jesus does. He just walks up. Okay. Now we're going to start teaching from here. He invades their space. And in our lives, we have the same decision. When God is, is, is invading our space, we have the option of getting mad and say, get out of my boat. Or we have the option to say, what are you going to do with this time? What are you going to do with this opportunity? And I, I get the same way with me. I, I have a feeling that a lot of times in my life, I kind of say, no, 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 we're, we're not doing that right now. No, 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 this is, this is my boat. This, I'm, I'm driving, I'm, I'm doing this. Can you, what, what are you doing? And whether that's with my marriage or with my kids or with my job or with my hobbies or with anything, I take control of it. And God's like, I, I, I'm here, I'm ready. You ask for help, you ask for guidance, you ask for direction, you ask for purpose, you ask for all this stuff. I'm, I'm here and we're doing this. But once that, that rubber meets the road, once that decision has to happen, we pull back and say, no, 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 no. I, I want the oars. I want the rudder. Christ invades their space and he'll invade yours as well. Are we going to be, are we willing to be commandeered by Christ? Christ asked them to do the unreasonable. He asked them to do the unreasonable. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. There's a couple problems with this. You don't fish in the daylight. He's already been up. He's already been teaching for hours probably. It's hot in the day. What did I say at the beginning? I didn't fish yesterday because I woke up too late and nothing was going to bite. Same principle. Fish have always been fish. <laughs> they didn't all of a sudden go, oh, I don't like hot water. Uh, 2,000 years later, they've always not liked to do anything in the middle of the day. Yet Jesus says, go out with your nets. Lay them down. Let's do this thing. Also, they don't have these monofilament six-pound test lines that are tiny and you can't see them. They had big hemp cords. That would have been tied as, as small as they could have, but they still would have been these, these good-sized ropes. And so you put them in at night so the fish couldn't see them. So if you're going out in the middle of the day, remember, you don't have motorboats. The water's not being churned up. It's going to be nice and clear. The fish are going to be like, well, that's a net. I don't know what that is, but I'm not going to go near it, right? They're smart, kind of, or at least smarter than us. <laughs> so the, this is all that's going on. The, like a fisherman is saying, this is the dumbest request Ever. 
You don't know what you're talking about. You're a carpenter. Go back to carving something. Don't tell me how to fish. This is the fight that's going on in their head. He asks them to do the unreasonable, but they are obedient. You are one cast away from being in the place God has for you. Christ blesses their trust and humility. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Can you imagine? These fish, they're actually, nowadays, they're still living in, this, uh, in the Sea of Galilee. They're about this big, and they're ugly, ugly fish. They're ugly, but they're called St. Peter's fish. And they're um, all over the place. It's the main staple food for all around Sea of Galilee. They eat it for breakfast, they eat it for lunch, they eat it for dinner. This is the food, right? And they, they serve it cold. On it, It's gross, but that's what they eat. <laughs> so uh, that's what's, what's going on. And so uh, they're, they're everywhere. So imagine like six-inch fish just piled in here. Now, biblical scholars think that this might have been used to bankroll the first couple years of Jesus' ministry, that this was such a large amount of fish that they would have gone to market, sold it, and said, all right, this is the money uh, that we're, we can live off of for the next couple of years. Another uh, contrary thought is that this was the money that the guys went and sold this fish and gave it to their family because think about it, James, John, Simon, and Andrew, four young. When you got four 20-ish old uh, men in your uh, life and you are primarily a manual labor job, you're very excited about your workforce, right? Like, yes, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> and they're saying, I'm leaving, Dad. And so they think maybe that they sold all this fish and said, here's the money, you can hire help, and I'm going to go follow after Jesus. So those are two kind of the, either one is a pretty interesting uh, thought process to go down. Anyhow, but Christ blesses their trust and humility with an overabundance. Christ does something else. He reframes their purpose. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, son of Zebedee, and Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. He shows them that life can be different, and he sets them on a new purpose and plan. Maybe we've been approaching our job in the wrong way. Maybe we've been approaching our marriage the wrong way. Maybe we've been approaching our kids the wrong way. When we have this, maybe we've been fishing in the wrong spot. When we have the humility to start casting in other places, maybe we can start reframing our mindset to be what Christ wants for us. You are one cast away from being in the place God has for you. Casting in the right spot doesn't actually mean that it's easy. It's still a whole lot of work. Think about it. They went back out, catch it. Their boats are about to sink. I think so often we're like, oh, God, give me. Lord, will you give me a new job? Will you give me a new job? You get to the new job, and people are still weird. Customers are still cranky. And deadlines still have to be met. Right? Right? We're saying, God, give me a new job. 
man, God, you gave me a new job, but the, yeah, still things have to be done. God blesses their socks off, and the fish still have to be pulled inside the boat. Casting in the right spot does not mean that it is easy. Even when they're doing it right, the boat almost sinks. The nets start to break. It's tough stuff. Now I want to move on to, uh, that was more of what God has for us, but what is it for us? What's our part to play in this? At the lake that I fish at all the time, Lake Barbie in Warsaw, Indiana, um, when Kelly's dad was alive, we would fish all the time for hours all over that lake. It's a chain of like five, six lakes, something like that. And we would go all over the place in this little fishing boat. I think he was just trying to drown me and see if I was going to be worthy of his daughter. But um, we would go all over the place and fish for hours and never caught anything. I think in the years, the years that we fished together, we caught five bluegill. I'd I'd been fishing with him since I was 17 years old. Five bluegill. He passed away. The fishing boat was uh, the, uh, not at the lake anymore because it needed to be worked on. And so I was landlocked. I had to fish off the pier. I'll have you know that the best fishing spot in that lake is 30 feet away from our pier. We had been fishing on that lake and that inlet and that channel and that pond and over here for years. Within 35 feet of my pond, I've seen the two biggest fish ever to come out of that lake. One my son caught, one I caught. I have caught a bluegill by accident off that pier. You know how you do it? Sometimes you pull into like, ah, they're not biting. You pull it in, and you catch their fin on the back. I don't know if you've ever been that lucky or dumb, but I caught a, I caught a fish by accident. 35. I caught five, between Mike and I, five fish for years. I've caught a bluegill by accident off that pier. It's the best place in the whole stinking lake to go fishing. We were fishing in the wrong place. Spot. Sometimes it's our life. Oh, it can't be that easy. It can't be right here. It can't be what I, where I'm, I'm used to. It can't be comfortable. It can't even be, you know, God couldn't use me where I'm planted right now. I got to go over there. I got to go get stuck in weeds. I've got to get my motor choked up. I got to go over there. No, 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 no. Maybe the place that God has for you is right where you're at. Maybe it's a little easier than you actually thought it was. But when you're fishing in the right spot, different than fishing in the wrong spot. What's required out of you? You need something different. You need something different. Now, this is kind of easy. Yeah, of course, Jared. If you, if you know you're fishing in the wrong spot, you need something different. What do you need in life? You need air. You need water. You need food. You need shelter. And for some of us, we, we've been operating in life like we haven't needed God. But we need Him. There's, there's this thing in life and in our souls and in our hearts. And, and you know when you, maybe you've experienced, but you never know that it's your body actually telling that you need God. It's when you're having that craving for something. Maybe it's a cigarette. Maybe it's a drink of alcohol. Maybe it's uh, sex. Maybe it's who knows what it is. Whatever your little addiction type stuff is. Maybe it's your, your need to, I don't know, we all, for caffeine and a Coke, you can, some people get really cranky if they don't have that, that Diet Coke in the morning, right? But we have that need, and what it is actually is your body going, hey, I need God. 
There's, I need something different here. It's your soul longing out and saying something, and we mask it. We cover it up with stuff and things and, and junk. But what it really is, is God saying, hey, hey, you need something different. You need me. We need something different. Second is you have to want something different. It's different when you, you just need it, but then when you want it, this is getting you closer to actual action. I want something different. There's a, Kevin has been looking at a certain camera for the last uh, six weeks, eight weeks, months, whatever, and he's drooling over this piece of equipment, and it keeps on finding its way into his Amazon checkout cache, but he hasn't pulled the trigger yet, and he wants it so bad. Maybe some of you, 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 you kind of just drool over that one thing. Maybe it, I don't know whatever it is, but we all have something. It's like, I want it. I want it so bad, but I don't have any money, so it's tough. Right? And so, and so with Kevin and with you in, in the things that we want, we, we kind of drool over it. And some of us, we, we laugh at Kevin's wanting of technology, which we can do all day long. But now we'll make it personal. I want a better marriage. I want, and sometimes we, we know we need it. But do I actually want a better marriage? Because that's going to require action. Do I want a better job? Because that's going to require the jumping out on faith and saying, I don't have my old job, so to get my new job. Do I want a new, I want my kids to be different. Well, I'm going to have to make them not like me for a while if I want my kids to behave differently. We have to want something different. And then finally, that leads to we have to do something different. We have to take action in a different way. We have to figure out if our Family's expectations are correct. Am I, am I meeting my wife's expectation and am I setting appropriate expectations for her? Am I loving my children well or am I ignoring them or am I letting them get away with too much or am I not letting them get away with enough? Am I taking the steps it, take, it means to get a better job? Am I getting an education or am I even applying places? And that fundamentally goes back down to even our spiritual and emotional needs. I need something different. I want something different. But am I actually taking action and being obedient to God in that? We're, we're fine when God just fills the boat by himself. Like, if you just could have those carp jump in that boat, that'd be great. But instead, God invites us on that adventure with him to participate in it. We have to do something different. You are one cast away from being in the place God has for you. As I look at our lives and I look at the different things that we have, we've gotten all tangled up. And today I want to invite you to cut these lines. There's not a way in which to untangle these lines and save what has been going on here. I can't return back to this behavior. I have to do something different. What I need to do is snip the junk away. Make a conscious effort to be obedient and humble with God so that my life can get in right order. So that purpose and fulfillment can happen again. As we think about our lives and we think about where we're fishing, 
Do we realize that we need him? Do we realize that we want something different? And are we willing to do something different? What's our response to God? Are we obedient? Are we humble? And will we pursue him? You are one cast away from being the place God has for you. I want to close with this. In John chapter 21, God, or Jesus, has already been crucified and risen from the dead. The disciples don't know what to do with their lives, and so they go fishing. And the way in which Jesus reintroduces himself back to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee is he says, Hey, you've been fishing all night, and you stink at it. Throw your nets on the other side. And these guys are like, people yelling at us. Jesus told us to go out there. You can just hear it. You can hear it in the, you know, fishermen. They're known to be very accommodating people, right? And so they take their nets and whatever, throw it on the other side, pull it up. What in the world? And Peter immediately goes, man, that Jesus, he did it to me again. He takes off his clothes and jumps off the boat, right? He's like, ah. It's this reintroducing, and sometimes some of us need this. We've had an experience previous in life where we had an encounter with God. We had a moment with God where he radically changed our lives. He, he started moving us in a new spot. And maybe we, this morning we need to remind it. The same God who did it 10, 15, 20 years ago is willing to do it again for you today. You are one cast away from being in the place God has for you. God did this, the casting story, when he set them out to be fishers of men with him. And he does it again when he says, all right, you're going to go and do it yourselves. It's beautiful how he does that. He wants to do the same for you. Maybe that's where you're at today. Let's pray about it. God, I ask you to give us direction in life. Some of us today come to this church, come to this, this seat this morning, in desperation of who you are, in desperation of wanting you, in desperation of wanting something different. God, we need to catch something. Maybe for us, it's figuring out what our career is. It's figuring out family situation, it's figuring out our kids, it's figuring out how all that's going to work. And God, we've been casting for a long time and not catching anything. So right now, Lord, I humble myself, we humble ourselves at your feet. Say, God, I want to be a part of your process. All I do is mess it up. Will you be Lord of my life? Will you lead me on a great adventure? In Jesus' name I pray.